We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. He's a monster like somebody from Game of Thrones or something. Like we call him uh, Gandalf because like he's never early or late, he's always <laughs> at the right time. And my job is to never stop, regardless of percentages. I don't really give a damn about percentages, honestly. All I care about is wins. If y'all didn't quite get it, let me say it again, I'm here to stay. Hello and welcome to the Uncontested podcast where we cover the NBA, OKC, Thunder, and pop culture. You can find our episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and our website, theuncontestedsports.com. I'm the Thunder Mob Jacob. Today, this evening, I am joined by Taylor. I like winning by 30. Winning by 30 is fun. I'm also joined by Justin. Steven Adams is my best friend. And I am joined by Nick. How about them Cowboys? <laughs> we are going to break down the OKC Thunder versus Detroit game. And instead of doing a post-game pod tonight, we thought we'd just bring you guys a big pod. So we're going to break down OKC versus Detroit. We're going to talk about some other Thunder themes. We have a new game called Take It or Leave It. We're going to go around the association. And we have a pretty fun pop culture minute lined up for you if you grew up in the 90s. You will, uh, you will enjoy that. So let's just go ahead and dive right into this uh, this Thunder-Detroit game, guys. Justin, I'm going to pass it over to you. Let's do it. Uh, so the Thunder win against the Detroit Pistons. The final was 110-83. Really, the story here was that third quarter. Uh, we've talked about how the Thunder have done in third quarters a lot this year. Tonight, they outscored the Pistons 37-19, to and that really there was no looking Ooh. back. Uh, it was just kind of jaw dropping to see some of the stuff the Thunder were doing in that third quarter. Uh, I think the the biggest theme of the night was the defense. The Thunder defense is just suffocating people. 
Uh, we've got some stats here that we can kind of go through and talk about. The first one, uh, 33% field goal shooting for Detroit and just 19% from three. That's huge. Uh, because while we often think of Detroit as being kind of an average team, they've been playing really well this year, and they're they're coming off some really nice wins over the Pistons, over the Raptors. This is no this team is no slouch, and so to, for the Thunder to come out and hold them to that low of shooting percentage says a lot about the kind of defense OKC's been playing lately. Hey, real quick before uh, we dive a little more into the defense, you had just mentioned it, Justin, that the Thunder have looked really good in the uh in the third quarters um i'm i I just ran it on nba stats.com third quarters for the entire season the thunder have in the third quarter uh 116 offensive rating that would put them fifth in the league and a 98 defensive rating which would put them second in the league that's ridiculous for a league 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 leading staggering plus 18 net rating in the third Jeez. quarter alone. Wow. For oh reference, God. the closest team is the Houston Rockets, um, five and a half points behind the Thunder. Well, Let's I just remember play we... every team in the third quarter from right. this point forward. Yeah, so 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 per <laughs> per the um, per one hundred possessions, the Thunder are outscoring people by eighteen points per one hundred possessions in the third quarter this season. Wow. That is in insane. other words, if you go into halftime with even a little bit of a lead, you're probably going to go in the fourth quarter up a lot. Yep. Uh, for yeah. reference, last season, the Thunder's net rating in the third quarter was minus four. I was going to yep. say, it has to be negative. They were minus <laughs> so four bad. last year. They're, what, a plus 18 this year. That's insane. That's amazing. That is this insane. team is, they, they've become a third quarter team. They come out of halftime, and they just beat the goddamn brakes off people. It's inc- yeah, it's incredible. They come out so- focused and disciplined. I think it's so amazing just because of the contrast with last year. Like yeah. last year, it was the it was the exact opposite situation. You you'd go to halftime with a lead, and you knew it wasn't safe because you knew the Thunder were going to come out and take three, four, five minutes to really get the offense going. They were going to come out and look sleepy. And I know the easy scapegoat is, uh, you know, the guy that we like to talk about a lot, Carmelo Anthony. Uh, is there anything else that you guys have seen that makes you think like, you know, this is really what the Thunder are doing right in the third quarter, other than just not having mellow on the floor? Well, I this think... is go ahead. Oh, sorry. Right. Well, I was just going to say like, this is something I kind of touched on in the last postgame podcast um, that I did this past weekend against the Hawks, but this team just has so much depth. And I liked, you know, Nick tweeted out about uh Nerland's Noel being the spark plug, but you could, you could call the entire second unit of spark plug you know nerland's noel diallo uh burton uh abrinas when he's hitting three pointers there's just there's so many guys off that bench that can come in and be a spark plug for this team and not only do can they do that offensively but they can do that defensively as well they stay disciplined uh our shooter i didn't even mention shooter you know they they play the same style of play there's no difference in style from first team to second team to even the, the third guys off the bench um, and I think that's huge, just the consistency in this team. And so being able to come out, keep that same style of, of play, which is you know fast, physical, uh, playing on, playing fast on offense and playing in transition, and then playing solid defense on the defensive end, and being able to do that even when you take out your starters, it's just it's been huge for this team. And I think we've seen that play out here in the uh, uh, in the in the third quarters. And also, I think the style of play, like you know, we keep mentioning all season and Billy and and Pressy have preached since off season. 
it really suits this team really well. And uh, I, I know we kind of joked around about Melo not being here anymore, and you know Melo being the reason for the the poor defense and the poor third quarters. But when you remove a guy like Melo and you substitute a guy in there like Jeremy Grant, yep, this style of play really suits this team. And uh, I think we're seeing that, seeing that, you know, seeing the. Uh, seeing the results because of that, I guess. Uh, I think that's a great point because it's not just, it's not just mellow, but it's the trade-off of mellow for the progression right, that Jeremy right. Grant has made. That makes it so much more stark because Jeremy brings so much more to this team on both ends of the floor. His defense is so vastly superior to Carmelo Anthony's and the things he's doing on the offensive end are much Crazy. more complimentary <laughs> to what this team needs versus Carmelo Anthony just kind of sucking the ball and shooting the ISO fadeaway in the post. I wish I had the uh, what what show is it from? Um, I just forgot the name. Where the little Asian guy goes, ha, gay, because <laughs> Justin just said sucking the balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what I is think... that? That's a that's a guy from The Hangover, but I can't. Remember yeah, it. what's that uh, show called? Show that is. It's community? not Parks and Re- Community. It's Community. Yeah, Community. Good call. <laughs> yeah, I think. <laughs> Sorry, Nick. The, the, you're good. The third quarter is definitely a quarter where the bench has to do well for a team to be successful. Um, Cause you're resting your starters, you know, this, the second half of the third and the beginning of the fourth, so they can be fresh for that, you know, last push in the fourth quarter. And I think that's just a testament to how good our, our bench is. And the reason we're doing so well in the third quarter is because we have a better bench than most teams. So whenever teams are resting their starters um, to get ready for the fourth quarter in that second half of the third, uh, our our guys are superior out there, and they they play well together. Yep. So we talked yeah. about it. I think a, a big factor uh, behind these kind of great third quarters that we've seen from the Thunder is their defense. They only allowed 19 points tonight uh, to the Pistons. Uh, they only allowed 83 in the entire game, which is incredible, especially given how fast the pace has been across the league this year. I'm going to rattle off some stats, but I want to hear from you guys after I do. What's been the most impressive thing to you about the Thunder defense? So first, uh, the Thunder lead the NBA in forced turnovers, 17.7. Bang, bang. They score a league-high 21.4 points off turnovers. Bang, bang. They rank sixth in opponent field goal percentage coming coming into tonight's game. Bang, bang. And they're fourth in opponent three-point percentage before tonight's game at 32.4%. Bang, bang. (laughs) so what stands out to you guys out of all those stats i think the um the the one that's most impressive to me is that their fourth and opponent three-point percentage that is again a stark a stark contrast to last year not only uh and, and we didn't run this stat on here but not only are they fourth in opponent three point percentage but they're top five or six in opponent three point attempts so teams are not shooting many three pointers against the thunder and when they do they aren't making them so as a result the thunder are giving up some of the fewest made three pointers in the entire league right now uh in in an NBA that is designed around space speed and kicking to the corners i mean hell we see teams today like drive and have a pretty open layup and pass up an open layup for an open three. You know, the, the the game has become about shooting, about spacing and the thunder defense understands that. 
and really locks locks that up. And I think that's probably the most impressive thing and has really led to why this team is so good defensively. It's just they defend the, the hell out of the three-point line. Yep. I uh, I also really like, you know, the Thunder lead the NBA in forced turnovers. And this, these these stats I, I put in here before, they were before the game tonight, um, but they, they lead the NBA in forced turnovers at 17.7 while also scoring a league-high 21.4 points off those turnovers. So they're getting deflections, they're running the floor, and they're scoring in transition. Yeah, that's when this team is at their best. And I think we saw that a lot tonight. You know, I even noticed Russ. I, I had not missed the first quarter, unfortunately. But um, from that point forward, I even noticed Russ, you know, getting his hands in the, uh, in, in the passing lanes. Uh, Noel, he's been incredible at this coming off the bench. PG's been been really good about this. You know, even Ferguson having him back tonight was huge for this team. Uh, I, I would argue even more so on the defensive end, the offensive end, because he allows PG to kind of play that free safety, kind of like Dre did, you know, last, last season, and at least more deflections. And so the more deflections and steals this team has, the, the better they are in transition, or the, the more transition points it leads to. And uh, that's when you see you know, like third quarters like the Thunder had where they end up going on these huge runs and uh, just blowing teams out of the water. That's when they're at their best. I yeah, also... I agree. I, I, oh, sorry, I think ahead. the turnovers are, turnovers are huge. I mean, it, it just it just makes the it, – it, it's a confidence thing for guys. Like if you have a young point guard that, you know, is trying to have a good game and we have these pesky guards that are making them turn the ball over and stuff, I mean, it makes them uncomfortable and they can't run a good offense. I think when you're getting turnovers like that and, and you're seeing they're scoring a league high in points off turnovers, it helps kind of make up for maybe some of the Thunder's deficiencies, which would be shooting, because it, you're going out and you're getting those fast break buckets. You're getting easy baskets yep. in transition, which can help you you know, keep the pace with the high scoring in the league w- without having you know a dead-eye three-point shooter on the team. Exactly. And this team is is loaded with good defenders. I mean, there's not a really a weak link defensively on the starting lineup. Yeah, there's you know? so much athleticism. Like, the, those five guys are just freaks of nature. Westbrook, Ferguson, Grant, George, Adams. Like, there's so much length there. It's no wonder that, you know, they're getting so many steals because they just have the ability to get their hands in any passing lane at any given moment. Yeah, and it's, you know, you would think that Ferguson would be the weakest link defensively on that starting lineup. Dude, he's freaking good. He's been good. so good. He's yeah, been freaking he's been good. Great. He's Tonight, been good. I mean, like, honestly, your weakest link defensively um, on that starting five is probably Russ. But Russ has been, and the only problem with Russ is not that he can't play defense. It's just typically yep. he is not engaged. Not he's a lot. In. He's a lot more engaged this year. And that's part of the reason why this defense is so good. And then Schroeder comes in. And even though Schroeder lacks size, he's been a pesky defender. He's been probably been, been yep. better on defense since like his second year in the league. Yep. And then you have Abrinas who stepped it up defensively this year. You've had you have Nerlens who has playing great defense, both protecting the rim, stealing the ball. Uh, he can even switch out a little bit. Uh, Patterson. Although he has his offensive woes and offensive struggles, he's a solid defender. Like he's an average to slightly above average NBA defender. And then Hamadou Diallo just knows how to use his length and his athleticism to be disruptive. So this team is legitimately like ten deep with good defenders. You know, it, who no matter who they sub on the floor, um, you're not putting in someone who I would argue is. 
um, significantly below average on defense. Yeah, there's no liabilities. Yeah, like last year, you know, as much as people like, well, I'm not going to say people defend Mello anymore because people just shit on Mello all the time, uh, rightfully <laughs> so. Uh, he was a huge <laughs> liability, you know. I mean, I remember late in the season last year when the Thunder were playing Houston at home, and Houston was just calling up whoever Mello was guarding to screen for Harden every time to get the switch to the point where Mello didn't guard anybody and kind of played center field and forced – the Thunder were trying to force um, Harden to call somebody up to screen and then switch somebody else on that guy really quick because, like, the Thunder could not let Mello switch on anybody. You know, this year, if somebody wants to take – Jeremy Grant on a switch, like, shit, go for it. I'm totally fine with that. I, I mentioned it on Twitter tonight. Yeah. I'm enjoying watching the Thunder play defense this year for the first time in years. Yep. It's been a while. The, the, when was, yeah, when this, do you think the last time was? Just out curious, because I agree with you completely. Uh, I'm just curious. Okay, okay. so so 2016, yeah. like, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to say the F word because I don't want to have to go back and beep it later. But I was freaking <laughs> like so angry during the regular season. I was like, this team's got shit tendencies. They've got like they, they, they don't practice effort. Uh, they, they have bad habits and they're going to go in the playoffs. And those bad habits are going to eat them alive. And I remember that. That, yeah. that 2016 playoff yep. run against the Spurs and against Golden State where this team was just locked the hell yep. in. That was probably maybe the, the, the time I enjoyed watching this team play defense the most. I mean, like, watching Robertson and freaking Dion like, go up against Kawhi. Watching <laughs> yeah, Russ just work his Dion. ass off against yeah. Steph, you know. Yeah. Um, that, that season, that year was so much fun to watch them play defense in the playoffs, not in the regular season. This might be the best regular season defense I've ever seen this team play. That's, yeah. I agree. I think what's interesting, I, I thought about this tonight. I looked at the box score and the, the Thunder ended up with eight blocks tonight, which when you're playing the Pistons, I don't know that you ever necessarily expect to outblock them. Um, but w- when you think about the Thunder defense, again, I'm going to I'm going to talk about Mello again. You think about what they had to deal with last year. You know, anytime there was a lapse in defense where a guy would get around Russ at the perimeter or something like that, and he's driving into the lane, there was really nobody to stop them from scoring because it wasn't going to be Mello. And Steve's got to stay on his big in the post to try and get the rebound. And so that really just left a gaping hole. So if anybody gets around uh, our perimeter defense, they're going to get a layup. And that's what we saw over and over again last year. Whereas in the past, you had a guy like Serge Ibaka in the post. So when Russell lets his defender around him, he feeds him right to Serge Ibaka, and Serge Ibaka just packs his lunch whenever he tries to get a shot in the post. I think you're seeing the return of that a little bit for the Thunder with Jeremy Grant, because now when you swap Jeremy Grant in for Carmelo, now you can go back to that same kind of model where it's okay if the guy gets around you in the perimeter because when he drives inside, he's going to meet Jeremy Grant, and Jeremy Grant's going to pack his lunch. And it, it just helps uh, It helps everything work so much more congruently together when you have a guy like that on the inside who can help kind of make up for, for some of those mistakes in the perimeter defense. And I think, I think that's a big reason why the Thunder defense looks so much better than it did last year specifically. It's a lot more fluid, absolutely. But that's really funny you bring that up, Justin, because I literally was like this close to tweeting this out. Uh, I think it was during the that's... fourth quarter about how Jeremy Grant – his development 
and it just kind of clicked like today when I was watching this Detroit game. I haven't really had this thought until tonight. But his development and how he's been playing this season reminds me so much of that prime OKC Serge Ibaka. Yeah. You know, playing on both ends. He he was he's playing that stretch four on offense. He's knocking down the outside shots, yep. even if we don't necessarily, you know, like back then we didn't really want Serge to. Right. Now we do want Jeremy to be taking those if he can, if he's going to make them, but just watching him, but he, he, you know, he's driving to the floor, much more controlled. Um, he, he went after Andre Drummond on one of those plays in the third quarter, just went after, or maybe it was the second late in the second, went after him fearlessly to the point that like he, he ended up elbowing Drummond in the face or the nose or something. I think like Drummond, like, ended up hitting Grant and Grant was like kind of hurt for a little bit. And then like Blake Griffin, like falls over him, but he just, he went after a seven foot plus Andre Drummond fearlessly, you know, like yep. it was nothing. And that's just something we didn't see when we first acquired Jeremy Grant a couple of years ago. But that, uh, that's really cool. You brought up that comparison. That makes me uh, not feel quite as crazy because I, I, I did have that thought, <laughs> you know, that he reminds me so much of that surge yep. from that, that 2000, what, 15, 16 run. Yep. And well, we'll get more to square number nine. Yeah, we'll get more to Jeremy Grant here in just a little yeah. bit. But I think that's a good segue to talk about Steven Adams and the Drummond yeah. matchup. Yeah. Yeah. He was Steven Adams was massive tonight. He's been so good for the Thunder lately. Tonight he had twenty one points on seven of eight shooting. I was really sad when he finally missed a field goal. I thought we were gonna get uh, a perfect night out of Steven. He was seven of seven from the free throw line as well, which is amazing. When you think about where he was a few years ago, he's continually gotten better, yep. but you never expect him to go 7-0-7. And then on top of that, he added six boards and two blocks. Finished and the, the two blocks with, were disgusting. They were disgusting. Big time. The first one, he, just, he swatted Drummond off the glass, and the second one, Drummond tried to isolate him and like shoot like a 10-foot jumper over him in the lane, and Adams just force-fed that ball back down his throat. Dude, yep. even Ferguson swatted Drummond tonight. Yeah, yeah, he did. Fer- yeah, Ferguson had a huge block. That I also awesome. wanted to bring this up. I think I tweeted it out, but I also wanted to bring this up. Uh, I think it's kind of uh, poetic that Stevens' maybe best game of the season. He's had a lot of really good ones, but tonight um, his dominance over Drummond. Stephen Adams, like tenth game in the NBA, his his kind of breakout, like oh, who is this guy? Game was against Drummond in Detroit when he went for 17-10 and 10 off the bench for, for Kendrick awesome. Perkins. That's really do, cool. Do you guys wow. remember that game? Honestly, yeah, I was Drummond say, didn't know daily. what to do with Steven because like Steven would get a rebound pass to Russ and just like run his ass off down to the other end of the floor and like just catch <laughs> a pass before anyone got down there and dunk it. Like He just it's, outran Drummond the entire game. It's super weird to think about Steve coming off the bench. Right. I know, That right? is weird. Dude, we thought that first year Steve was going to be in the G League the whole year, and the the big rotation, the center rotation, yeah. is going to be Perkins and um, Hashim to beat. Right, to beat. God, that dude sucked. <laughs> God bless his soul, man. I I'll never forget the Harden tweet after the Thunder drafted Adams that just said "LOL." Yep. Yeah. Makes me happy. Steve's becoming uh, pretty freaking good, man. Another weird stat from tonight that I like is Adams finished the night at plus 21 and Drummond was minus 21. Wow. He took that guy to school, man. Like tonight, just I think tonight really showed me and I hope it showed other people that Steven Adams is a much better player than Andre Drummond. Defensively, screening, offensively, passing, just like everything like Adams is a better player than yep. than Andre Drummond. And to me, 
I think Adams is is this season is getting in that conversation for like top five to six big in the league. Like top five to six center. Definitely. Yeah. Like maybe Absolutely. not offensively, but just as an all around basketball player, like defense, IQ, rebounding, passing, scoring the ball, uh, feel, uh, understanding of the game, making the right play. He's he's right up there. He's so good. That's tough. I don't I don't agree one hundred percent. I think that Steve is definitely making jumps, but I don't know if I can confidently say that Adams is better than Drummond. Wow. I th- Where do you I rank think- him? Who's whoa, ahead whoa, whoa. I, think, whoa. No, I, think, I think they're in the same tier. I actually had this conversation or more like an argument with a friend the other day. Um, <laughs> I think that there's a tier that's like the seventh, eighth, ninth best center I think we agreed on where it's like Horford, Adams, Drummond are all kind of on the same tier at like seven, eight, nine. Interesting. Like, so let me Clint ask you Capella, this. Do you have Capella, uh, uh, Capella in we, front I of think him? We agree Capella was at 10 right behind those three. Okay, good. Okay. Adams and then is like better Marcus than Cousins. He's not better Anthony than Anthony Davis. He's not better than AD. A... He's not better than uh, Jokic. He's not better right. than Cat. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, yeah. He there is better than Whiteside. Yeah, I agree yep. with that. Whiteside is better than Whiteside. Yep. Um, but yeah, he's, I mean, the, is Steven Adams just, now it, better than Mark Gasol. Um, Gasol's been playing good again this season. That's, but that's true. It, it's all about fit too. Like I think yeah, if totally. you put Steve on certain teams, he would like not be as effective at all. I agree. That's yeah. it. Yep. Or I think he, he's a perfect fit for this team. You could that's put Steve point. on another team and he could average 20 a night. That's right, true too. Right. Right. And I, I also think like saying like who is better is, is so objective. Like it depends what your criteria is. Like Steve is also what twenty five years old. Yep, yep. You know, he's young. so like he's Steve is legit like three years away from athletically being at his peak. Um, and so he's he's just yep. gonna get better. Where you know guys like uh, guys like Mark Gasol are already on their their downhill decline. You know right. they're they're old, and so I, I I, I don't know. I, I think I could confidently say Boogie, Joel Embiid, uh, Jokic, Car Anthony Towns, Anthony and Davis. that might be it as far as like who's clear. Maybe Gobert, although he's having kind of a weird yeah. year. Yeah, he's true. yeah. I, I think there's four or five I can confidently say are better than Adams, and yeah. then from there it's like a second tier where you after can that you get to an argument. Yeah, you can you can argue the rest of those yep. players, but. right? Right, yeah, I'm with fair. you. There's five guys, at least five guys, definitely better than him. And then after we get past that, there's three to four that you can make the argument back and forth for them. Absolutely. Not bad. Yep. Not bad. Yep. So we've covered the bigs. Uh, what about the perimeter? So tonight, Russ, Russ and PG combined for 35 points on 14 to 35 shooting and four of 15 from three. Uh, it was It was an okay night. You know, they still put in 17 points, 18 points, respectively. Uh, Paul George pulled in 10 rebounds, four assists, two steals. Russ had six boards, six assists, two steals. I think the most interesting thing for me tonight, Russ had a lot of um, turnovers early. It felt like he was trying... Try, yeah, trying to force it too much. Uh, Almost like an overcorrection from what we saw uh, in in the Denver game. Um, 
where he came out he came out and played an excellent game uh, against the Hawks. Um, he played a really nice game against the Cavaliers. And then tonight I felt like was kind of a mixed bag. Um, but I think what's what's encouraging about this is even when you have those two guys not having maybe their best night, you still win the game 110 to 83, which is amazing to think about that. This team doing that when you think about last year, if Westbrook and George were not playing well, there was no chance that this team won the game. Completely agree. You know, R- Russ and MPG don't have an efficient night. Efficient tonight. The team wins by 30, you know, that's, yeah, that's crazy. That, that's a get, testament to this team, this offensive system, and really just how freaking good this defense is that Russ and PG can combine for as many shots as points shoot, you know, 25% from three. And, and we still kick ass by that much. Like it's just a sign of a good team. And so that also makes you feel like, when Russ and PG kind of get it clicking and get it going, um, th- this team is hard to beat. And, like, we haven't even touched on yet the, the Pistons of the season. You know, it's not like the Pistons of the last couple seasons. This is a right. team that was that was tied for fourth in the East. Basically the same record dead. as OKC. They were 13-7. and seven. Right. OKC yeah. was 14-7. and seven. Oh, so they, they were 13-7. Okay. But they, they just got done beating uh, Golden State and the Warriors on the Steph's step first back. game back this, yeah. Yeah, this past weekend. Yep. Um, I think they just got done beating the 76ers. There's like a whole list of teams I saw. And, you know, the Thunder come out and just stomp the brakes off them, you know, end up winning by basically 30 before they sent the reserves in. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you got to look into this a little bit. This isn't just a an Eastern Conference team like the Bulls and, yep. and the Nets that we'll be playing here in the next couple of games. You know, I, this I is was, a legit team. I was low-key nervous coming into this game. Yeah, for yeah sure. me too. I thought this was going to be a really good test. I thought it was going to be a tough fight. And... You know, I thought I honestly thought OKC should have been up a lot more than ten going into halftime. They Agreed. Russ turned the ball over a lot. They're in the second quarter, like the team really struggled to like get offense going. Defense Russ started forcing shots again. Yeah, the, the just, defense yeah. still kind of kept that that distance. And the third quarter was just a damn bloodbath. Yeah. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I kept looking at the score and being like, man, it, it, it really makes me nervous that they're only up 10. It makes me nervous. I think at one point the Pistons cut it down to eight. And then the next thing you know, you blink and the Thunder are up 18. Yep. And it's like, oh, okay. There we go. That feels more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think something interesting that's happening with Russ this season, you know, he's been he's been a little sporadic. I think we've seen a lot of good from him. We've also seen, you know, a fair amount of bad. Like we've mentioned a few times, the Denver game kind of sticks out last week as a as a, a bad rust night. Um, he's shooting a career high from two point range, but a career low from three point range this season, which is fascinating to me. We've always known that Russ is not a great three point shooter, um, but to have him shooting a career low, I think, says a lot about uh how this thunder offense and how this thunder team has kind of changed and how Russell's role has changed with the team. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, we're seeing him driving to the hole and finishing out the rim, maybe better than he ever has. Even if we don't haven't seen quite as many of those explosive, crazy rest of finding dunks that we're, we're used to seeing in the past, but then we're also seeing him just throw up these three pointers like tonight and like that night against Denver and they just 
do not look great. Um, you know, so it, he's sticking to what he's doing best, but there are still those games like the Denver game, even tonight to a lesser extent, where he just cannot, he, he's forcing shots um, and he's not hitting them. It kind of, I don't want to be like negative Nelly over here, but as far as Russ's long-term career, if he, I, I mean, he every year it seems like what we say is in the offseason he's going to work on his three and come back a better three-point shooter and it never works out. Yep. At some point when his, when his like body catches up to his athleticism, how good is he? Is he going to be able to be a guy that can play till he's 40 in this league and still be effective, you know? Yep. Yeah, he's going to have to develop an outside shot. He's going to have to at some point. And to this point, it seems like he works on it every offseason and it never gets better. I look at a guy like Dwayne Wade as kind of a good comparison for how Rush should think about aging in his career. I think Wade's done a pretty good job of maintaining the things that made him great when he was young and kind of using that into the latter stages of his career, unlike his pal Carmelo Anthony. Um, you know, Dwayne's only a career 29% three point shooter. So he's kind of in the same vein as Russ, but I think he's still adding value to teams. He's not the player he once was, but I think if, as Russ's athleticism kind of fades out, he could kind of look to Dwayne Wade as a way to see how he can adapt his game. And I think we're kind of starting to see that this year. You know, he's not always like hundred miles an hour, full steam ahead, Russell Westbrook. He's a little more nuanced this year, and I think that's that's kind of similar to what you saw from D Wade as he m- matured in his career. Yeah, D and he and D Wade definitely, even I think it was like two years ago, made a significant jump in his three point shooting. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think I'm hoping at some point it's something that starts falling for him because, but you know, you, you're definitely right. This year, you can tell that he isn't isn't going a hundred miles an hour all the time. He yeah. is, he is finding a way to be effective with slowing the ball down and, and, and working it around. Yeah. It looks uh, D Wade is shooting a career high this season from three at 38.7%. So you're right. I mean, that is, wow. that's, that's the way the league's moving and it's kind of, if you can't shoot, you, you're not going to have a place. All right. So uh, moving on to other thunder news, unless anybody has anything else about the Pistons game. Good win. Good win. Good win. Here, here. Very happy. Uh, I am I am so, content. <laughs> yeah. Let's try to bring you down a little bit. Let's talk about Andre Robertson. So we, we got news. Way to this kill week. the mood, buddy. <laughs> Way to kill the mood. <laughs> we got news this week that Robertson suffered another setback. Uh, it just felt it felt like a gut punch because it was honestly I think it was that day that there was some video of him at practice getting some work in. He looked pretty good. I think it was Eric Horn even wrote an article talking about his progression and how he looks like he's close. And then it was it was later that day where they came out and said he had another setback. Uh, Taylor, you might have the name of the fracture. I know you mentioned it on your post game pod. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's um, see. It was some strange fracture where the tendon pulls okay, off a piece go. of bone. So he suffered a uh, another setback yesterday after he was landing up a uh, jump during wor- uh, that workout that we saw. Uh, you know, he, he was experiencing some discomfort after that, had an MRI done, and it revealed a small avulsion fracture in his knee, and he'll be reevaluated in another six weeks. So, yes, yeah, basically it's where that tendon pulls away a bone fragment. 
because it's it's too strong. I think is what happens there compared to the rest of the bone, which makes sense. You know, if if he hasn't been using that leg uh, nearly as much, right. where that basically that tendon overpowers that bone and pulls off a fragment of it. So yeah, not great news at all. Um, so gut reaction. Does Andre Robertson play for the Thunder again this season? Yes. See, so I said in, the, in that post game pod after I mentioned this, I I would put it a seventy percent chance that he does not, and a thirty percent chance that he does. The only reason I say thirty percent chance because we, we obviously we're still early in the season, and yep. even if he does come back, you know, like All Star break, you can ease him back into it, and then by the time the playoffs come around, he could be back to full strength. But what what worries me more than anything you know he can recover from this specific injury yeah his tendons can recover you know from what happened this last december but what worries me the most is that he's having these reoccurring injuries whether it's due to weakness or whether it's due to you know complications from his previous injuries it wouldn't surprise me if he comes back out in february and he's practicing and something else happens so i would rather i look at a guy like jeremy lynn who i know hasn't played the best since he's come come back from his injury but he had like a year and a half of rehab and was able to come back and he's at least able to put you know he's able to play without getting injured and so if if dre is able to have a full season of rest and another full summer another full off season of rest i feel like he can come back and that's gonna be the best chance for him to come back to that elite defensive level that we know dre has I think that's part of what's crazy is when you think about, you know, six weeks to be reevaluated, that puts him in almost a full calendar year from when he last played an NBA basketball game, which is a long time. Yep. That's a long time to be out. It's, I mean, I think a lot of people, even with how bad they knew it was last year, a lot of people still expected him to like start game one this year. Yeah. Which is way off from what's going to happen. And I'm hoping, I mean, if you have two setbacks, who's to say you're not going to have three, four, five, but I'm still optimistic. I think he'll play at some point this year, but the way we're playing, I mean, I'm not saying we don't need him, but we we're not, it's not like we're struggling. It's, yeah, it's and not a necessity I, I, at this point. Right. I thought right. that, I thought that we were going to struggle and our excuse all year was going to be, Oh, yep. wait till Dre comes back. Oh, exactly. wait till Drake can help with his defense and we're in defense is our strong suit. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I think, I, I think if he, position. if he gets court time this year, it'll be after the all-star break because the six weeks of this, this recent injury puts him at about mid January. And then that's just a reevaluation. That's yeah. not like a back to court. He's got to get in game shape, which Billy Donovan talked about. Isn't just like running, but it's like, the physicality right. of the game, you know, he's, so he's got to get I back. I love in, that quote. Yeah. That was a really good quote. He's got to get back in game shape. He's got to practice with the team. He's got to get like, I know my situation does not compare in the slightest to like these NBA players, but I had shoulder surgery like 14, 15 months ago, something like that. And like still to this day, whenever I go out on the court and play basketball, like I'm really hesitant about like getting my left arm in there on defense because I'm afraid my arm's gonna get pulled back and I'm gonna hurt my shoulder again. And you you still just ha- kind of have that hesitancy, right? And the mental so, aspect. That's yeah, a so, really good yeah, point. He's got to get through that, which is difficult. Um, so Bro, I think you that sound takes, like Markel Fultz. <laughs> I think that that takes <laughs> at least a month, you know. And so a month after his six week evaluation 
period is all-star break in the trade deadline. So I think yeah. if, if Andre sees court time, it'll come after the trade deadline, which you're then basically two months away, a little less than two months away from the start of the playoffs. And, you know, do they just immediately throw Dre back in the starting lineup or do they like ease him in and get him some bench minutes and let him kind of go easy on it uh, and kind of wean his way back in? And if that's the case, like, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I think he will see the court for the Thunder this year. Um, but it's uh, if, if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd probably say 60% yes, 40% no at this point. One thing that I, I really like that Justin and Nick, you guys kind of hinted on, I think I touched on it a little bit in the last postgame pod, but it's the fact that you have these these wings. You know, like, for example, TLC, and rightfully so, but he was inactive tonight. And yet you have guys like Ferguson, who's been starting playing great. You have guys like, like Alex Abrines, who, when he gets his shot going, he hit a career-high seven three-pointers against Atlanta for 21 points and then it's, it's playing great defense in fact the thunder mentioned you know that i think he was before tonight was had the second highest defensive uh rating in the league it's crazy which is absurd and then you have a guy like diallo and burton two guys that can come off the bench and just be a huge spark for your team two rookies when's the last uh, time the thunder had like this tight not like this depth per se because i don't think they've ever had overall, this kind of depth yeah. at wing but just quality wing starting and bench play like was it 2016 with Robertson, Durant, and then you had Dion, and who was playing the three off the bench that year in that playoff push? Yeah, you, you had Cantor coming off the bench. Yeah, Cantor you know, and Dion were the big bench pieces, but, uh, and obviously Dion was a great. Um, a, who was that three? A, a great bench wing. I'm gonna look it up real quick. 2016 OKC roster. Man, I'm drawing a blank. But you're right. No, I, I think since, oh since my that God. season. You ready to throw it had up? To have, it had to have <laughs> been Moro, didn't it? Are you ready to throw up? Their rotation, they had um, guys like Moro, Payne. Uh, I think Singler got playoff minutes. And uh, good old Randy Foy. Randy Foy. Oh, my gosh. Wow! Didn't we have <laughs> so this is the deepest Muhammad team we... that year too? Oh, for yeah, that sounds right. I don't see him on the roster here. I'm pretty wow. positive he played playoff minutes. Hey, uh, speaking oh, yep. of Randy Nazi, Foy, Nazi Muhammad, five games, two minutes, zero point four points, zero point six assists. <laughs> so. Speaking of Randy Foy, tonight, Dennis Schroeder, Raymond Felton, Reggie Jackson, and Ish Smith all played in this game, uh, Detroit versus OKC tonight. It's a backup point guard game for the Thunder. <laughs> it's a reunion. I got to shout out up the Thunder on that one. They, they tweeted that out like almost immediately after the game. thought that was pretty funny. That's crazy. And I think the highlight was uh, Russ rocking the baby on Reggie Jackson. Yes. Maybe. And then Beverly did it today. On yes. <laughs> you see that? I did see uh, that. I hope Russ just dunks him into ending his career. I hate Beverly. He's the worst. <laughs> he is the worst. Right so, through with Draymond. So we, we, talked about, <laughs> uh, we talked about how we haven't missed Andre Robertson as much this season as, as we thought we would. Trade him. Just kidding. Uh, not where I was going, but, uh, we, we talked about it a little bit before. I think a big reason for that is, is Jeremy Grant. 
We've talked about his strengths. We've talked about his growth, his athleticism, what he brings to the table. Similar to what we just talked about with Steven, where do you think he ranks right now in power forwards? Let's let's keep it in the West. Where do you think okay. he ranks power forwards in the West? Here I so got a list I, for you. You ready? There, perfect. I was going to say, I just pulled it up. So there you go. Uh, the 15 power forwards of the West. Tobias Harris, Draymond Green. I'd, okay, well, let's, let, went, let's, let's go person yeah. by person. Is... Uh, is Jeremy Grant better than Tobias Harris? Yes. I'd say no, but I'm I think it's no very... Well. It's close, but I'd say no. Not this season. Who else needs to vote on this? Is it Nick? Nick, what do you think? I Nick. think Tobias Harris is a lot better than Jeremy Grant. Okay, so we're split on... Or no, Fair. The, the no wins on that one. Draymond Green, I think we all say no on that. No. Paul Millsap, I think we all probably say no on that. No. Agreed. Okay, Jamichael Green. Better. He's definitely better. Yeah. Agreed. Um, is Jeremy Bank Grant better than Jeremy Grant? That's my <laughs> next on the list. I'll pass it. That's a top one. Al Farouk Aminu. Yes. Better yes. than Al Farouk Aminu. Brandon Ingram is playing the floor. Yes. Better than yeah. Brandon Ingram? Yeah. yeah. Right Right now, yes. Okay, so yes. Um, Bielitsa, the guy out in yes. Sacramento. Yeah. Who? I think, I'm just kidding. Yes. <laughs> I, I think he's way more versatile than Bielitsa. Yep. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge. This no. season? Yes. No. No, no, I'm no. saying no as well. I I'm think this season yes. so far. but Taylor says but yes. Overall. I say no. Justin, what do you say? <laughs> I say yes. Yeah. Okay, Ooh. Nick, what do you say? Justin's got my back. <laughs> I say no. That's some thunder bias on y'all's part. Okay, so <laughs> we're, at, we're split on that one. Green. Next Fair. one is Harrison Barnes. No. I think Harrison's definitely better. Yeah. Okay, so we're going with Harrison Barnes there. Uh, Taj Gibson. Oh, Jeremy better. He's better than I think Taj Jeremy's Gibson. Better. I think this one's maybe the most interesting one on the list. Oh, uh, this is tough. Nikola Mirotic. Oh, that's so tough. They're, they're different. They're so players. different. Yeah, yeah. With, but they're, they're, they're equal in their own Nikola's ways. Nikola's yeah. an elite shooter. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but he doesn't play defense as far yeah. as like see. I think. So when I approach this question, I, I often think, who would I rather have on the Thunder? And on this one, hands down, Jeremy Grant. Okay, I'm gonna like say that. yes. I'm gonna really? say I'm gonna say Grant is is better than Nikola Mirotic. You would not want to have Mirotic spot up shooter on this team. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Like, if you look at it from the three point standpoint, I Miritich get that. would be incredible. Yeah, but, but Grant is also shooting thirty seven percent on three attempts per yeah. game and provides so much more. I agree. Yeah, I think his defense is more crucial to the starting lineup. I think than the, I think the trade-off is too much. Would be. I agree. Okay, so That's we're going to say that. better than Miritich. PJ Tucker. I think this season, yes. I think he's doing everything yeah. that PJ did in the playoffs last year. Yeah, you know? I'm, I'm taking Grant over PJ. Yeah, I think yeah. the Rockets would too. Derek Favors. Yes, Favors has been awful this yeah. season. I think I take Grant over favors, and the last one I'm going yes on T.J. Warren. Yep. yep. Yeah. So we have four and a half guys at the power forward position in the Western Conference that are better than Grant. So Grant is roughly top third, four and a half because we split the uh, uh, which one, the Lamarcus Aldridge one. Yeah. Yeah. So four and a half. Um, so basically, Jeremy Grant is the the fifth slash sixth best power forward in the West. Uh, putting him firmly in the top half. And I think I agree with that. Yeah. With the way he's playing, with his growth. I think his growth is is really promising because yep. 
he's he's continually on this trajectory up, and the kid's twenty four. And that's for me. He's that's so the, young. That's part of it. Is like you know you talk about these other guys. I, I don't think Jeremy's anywhere near his peak yet. I think he's exactly. just going to continue and to get he's better. He's given us nothing to think that that he is near it. You know because like it's not like we're just being hopeful that that he gets better. It's every year he has been a much better player. And you would expect a player who's still 24 to continue to grow and become a yep. better player and kind of settle into who they are at about 27. So I think, yep. I think Jeremy Grant, I, I think by the end of his three-year, $30 million contract, we're going to be talking about how much of a steal it is. I, like I sure hope that. so. I yep. think having Grant Especially 10 million a year is going to be like a ripoff. Like we're going to be ripping him off. It's going to be too good. When you think about that trade the Thunder did to get him with the Ilyasova, like that, that's going to look, that's going to make Presti look like a genius once again. Agreed. Agreed. So let's wrap up. Let's wrap up the Thunder section. Uh, Looking ahead, Thunder play 11 of the next 16 on the road. They're wrapping up a road trip this week. They played at Detroit tonight. They've got at Brooklyn on Wednesday, at Chicago on Friday. They return home on Monday for a quick one against the Jazz before playing at New Orleans, at Denver, and then back home against the Clippers. That kind of four-game stretch there, Jazz, New Orleans, Nuggets, Clippers, that could be a tough stretch. Oh, yeah. Um, That back-to-back is brutal next weekend. Very brutal. Denver and Clippers back-to-back. I think we're going to start to see a little bit of what the Thunder are really made of. Uh, The biggest thing here, I've, I've heard this stat mentioned over and over again. According to Tankathon, the Thunder have the second hardest schedule from now to the end of the season. Yep. So we've talked about it a lot. How much of what we've seen from OKC is just the teams they've played. Well, we're going to get our opportunity to find out whether or not they're for real here in the coming weeks. Definitely. But I'm, I, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged. I agree. Especially I after tonight. I don't want to discount the fact that we do have a hard schedule. But I will say I'm not surprised we have that hard of a schedule just based on that we're in the Western Conference and based, sure. based on our division. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's so not it's not if, you, if it's not like you're in the East when the majority of your games are against those bad teams. Yeah, you're like, not in the Southwest of the East playing Orlando, Atlanta, Miami. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Who else? Uh, Charlotte and you know whoever else. So it's and that's not surprising. It's it's going to be just like any other year when the West is better, the, the West is deeper. We're going to be playing good teams all the time. Um, so that doesn't scare me too much. It does sound scary whenever you first look at it, but when you really think about it, how different is that than normal? And this team passes the eye test. Yeah. Like, they look freaking good. Yeah. They're they're currently they're, they're tied for first in the West, which is continues to be amazing. Hell they could, yeah. They could, they could be sole possession of the West. What do we say tomorrow? Yeah, if, yeah. If, uh, if the Nuggets would have lost, Denver and Cl- yeah, Cl- ah. Clips. The Nuggets. So so we're tied. We're no, they're one game ahead of or half a game ahead of us now. Um, but still, the fact that we're half a game out of first this time last yep. year, we were not have we didn't have a winning record. I don't think. Yeah. So I'll All take right. it. You guys want to play a game? Let's yeah. do it. Okay, Please. new game. Take it or leave it. I wish I had a cool sounder. I don't have a cool sounder for take it or leave it. It's take a really it simple game. It. There you go. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, I have 10 things here. I'm going to propose you guys a scenario. You tell me if you're taking it or if you're leaving it. 
Easy enough. Let's do it. Some of them yep. are Thunder related. Like some of them are league wide related. Some of them are completely random. Okay. Number one, one healthy, Terrence Ferguson will be the starting two guard for OKC the rest of this season and the playoffs. Justin, you taking it or leaving it? Take it. Ooh, I like it. Uh, Taylor, what about you? Taking it. Nick. Keep him in there. Same thing. Robertson is still up in the air. Wow. So all of you guys are taking Ferguson being the starter the rest of the season. I like it. I like it. Second one, league-wide. The Los Angeles Clippers will get home court advantage in the Western Conference playoffs, a.k.a. they'll be a top-four team uh, at the end of the season in the Western Conference. Hell no. Nick is going to leave it. (laughs) Taylor, what are you doing? I'm leaving it. I think they'll, uh, they they got off to a good enough start. They'll be flirting with, you know, anywhere from five from seven, but I don't think they'll be top four. Justin? That's a no from me, dog. Wow. Okay, I thought I'd get some disparity there's there. Just, there's too many teams. Like, yep. I just, I can't even wrap my head around who the top Dude, the West are going to be, let alone the top four, but yeah, I just know so that crazy. the aren't one of them. Here's a fun one. This is a random one based off the Big 12 championship that was played this past Saturday. Boomer. Nick will wear another Texas Longhorns jersey in public in his lifetime. Taylor, you taking it or leaving it? Oh, definitely taking it. <laughs> <laughs> he, his girlfriend is hardcore Texas fan. Or not hardcore, I shouldn't say that. I think her family is. Am I right, Nick? The bloodlines. Yeah. Her, yeah. her dad played there and her mom Oh, that, that's so she is diehard. I will take no that choice. one. You guys should take it with me. <laughs> Justin, you taking it? Fair. Fair. She's very cool. She's pretty. I mean, he, he's got to do it. I outkicked <laughs> my coverage. It is what it is, man. All right, back to a Thunder-related one. Oklahoma City will finish the year with four or more players averaging at least two assists. For the record right now, uh, Russ averages 9.5. Schroeder averages 5.1. PG averages 4.3. So there's three guys over two. The next three, Felton at 1.9, Adams at 1.8, Grant at 1.2. So what are the chances that the Thunder finish the season with four players who average at least two assists a game, Nick? I'm leaving it. I don't think that's going to happen. They're not going to get the fourth? Yeah, I don't think the fourth's going to happen. Okay. Justin, what do you think? I'm going to say take it. And it'd be easy to say, like, oh, Uncle Ray will get, you know, three assists a game in, in six minutes through the rest of the season or something like that. But I, I think it'll be Steven Adams. I think he's played so that. well this year, and I think we're going to continue to see some growth out of him that I think I think he could hit the two mark. Very good. Taylor? See, I'd love that more than anything because that means that we're running the offense more through Steven, which I think is just great for this team, and I'm a huge advocate for it. But – uh, I'm gonna leave it as well because I think we'll be out of like three players like PG Russ, uh, Dennis Schroeder, and I don't think we'll get that fourth, unfortunately. But I think it'll be close. I mean, that's a really that's a good one. That's okay. a really really good one. Next one, league wide again. The Los Angeles Lakers will trade at least three players off their current roster before oh, the trade deadline. Taylor, I'll start with you one. on this one. I'm gonna leave it, but I I definitely think they're gonna trade two. Okay. I'll go on record and say they're, they're trading two of them. And it's going to be like one of those, you know, the one-year contract guys that they signed this summer and one young guy uh, with some draft picks. Okay, interesting. Justin, what do you think? Oh, I'm going to leave it. I 
I don't think LeBron's gonna, you know, go scorched earth again like he did on the Cavs last year. I think they definitely have some flaws. I think Magic thinks he can solve that through free agency, and so I'm not sure they're gonna move too many people. Um, I think they're gonna look look to this summer to try and solve some of those holes. Very good, Nick. Yeah, I I think that three number is super interesting. I think if Vegas had this as an odd, it would be like two and a half. So that is <laughs> right. tough. The fact that all of their contracts, like you mentioned, are one-year contracts because of the fact that they want to be able to dump those or obviously like not, not have those on their books next year and, and work in free agency and sign some max guys, I think it would be to their disadvantage if they traded those away and got long-term money on the books. Um, so since that's the case, I'm gonna I'm gonna say they trade less than three. Okay, very good. The next one, another random one. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you. Alabama will win the college football championship. Oh, oh you're killing me. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with history and say they're gonna win it. So you're taking it. It's the safe taking bet. It. I'm taking it. Taylor. I'm going to take it, but I'm not going to like it. <laughs> I don't think any of us are, buddy. Justin? Yeah. I'm going to leave it solely Ooh. because of the SEC championship game. Okay, Ooh. so so then, Fair. Justin, who is your pick? Oh, no, I didn't want that question. <laughs> Say Notre Dame. Say Boomer. Notre Dame. Boomer. The homer in me obviously wants to say Oklahoma. Uh, but if it's not Bama, I think – I think it Clemson's the same. What do you have against Catholics? (laughs) I'm not going to answer that. Justin, (laughs) the Thunder in-game operations always plays a clever song when the Thunder is introducing an opposing team, Uh, i.e. they'll play the Game of Thrones logo or the Game of Thrones theme song for the Kings. They play the Harry Potter song whenever the Wizards visit, and they're announcing those starting lineups. Take it or leave it. They will play Sheck West Mo Bamba when Orlando comes to town. Yes, oh, please. I need them to take that so bad. <laughs> Justin's taking it. Nick, what are you doing? I'm leaving it. Why would they do that? That would get the other team hyped up. Taylor, what do you that, think? That's exa- I was going to say that would be so cool, but like it's almost it's too cool for yeah. an opposing team. I'm Maybe. leaving it. I I would love it. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Especially if too. they start it from like the very beginning of the song where he says, "Bitch!" <laughs> I got hoes. Oh, that'd be awesome. All right, Taylor, come back to you for this Disney one. Music. League-wide, one of Toronto, Milwaukee, Philly, and Boston. One of those four will not finish top four in the East. I'm leaving it. Those are my top four. I don't think I don't think Indiana or anybody can, can jump those four. All right. Nick, what do you think? I agree. Okay. Justin? I don't want to agree just because they did, but yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> I'm, I might have taken Indiana, but the, the Victor Oladipo, the Oladipo definitely really, yeah. hurts, really yeah. hurts them. I got two more left. Um, Taylor, I'll start with you on this one. Okay. The new live-action Lion King will have an awkward sex scene during Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Oh, I am taking it. It it's gonna be there. It's gonna be awkward. I mean, it's not gonna be like super sexual or anything. I don't think. But it, like, we totally it's gonna, are gonna be know doggy what, style, what <laughs> kitty <laughs> style, kitty style. <laughs> Meow. Oh my god. <laughs> <Boo>. <laughs> 
Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> Justin, my you favorite, taking it or leaving it? My favorite character is Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> um, Nick, what do you think? Uh, it's tough. I feel like they are going to do it just because of that's that's the way movies are these days. You kind of got to. You, you, you got to have the animal sex, man. You got to. Hey, low key, though, they killed the casting on this. Have you guys yeah. seen it? Agreed. Um, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Seth, Seth Rogen as Pumbaa. Um, awesome. Childish Donald Gambino Lover. as Simba. Beyonce as Nala. Uh, they got James Earl Jones back to do Mufasa. The only place where they could have done better and they missed, I'm just saying, there's three hyenas and there's three Migos. That would have been <laughs> sick. I'm just saying. Last one, really Justin, I'm starting cool. with you. Deontay Burton will move up from a two-way deal to an NBA contract before the trade deadline. Oh, yeah. I'm taking that. Absolutely. Nick, what are you doing with that one? I'm leaving it. As much as I love Burton, that's kind of our – when healthy, that's kind of our deepest spot, especially with Robertson coming back. I feel like the Thunder will – We'll fill that roster spot with a different position at the buyout slash trade deadline. Okay. Taylor, what do you think? Oh, I'm taking it. Deontay, baby. We're in trade TLC. We're going to keep open that 15th roster spot, and we're bringing Deontay up. Alrighty. Who the hell wants TLC? Uh, him and a second-round pick to, like, Atlanta or somebody terrible. Like, shoot, even Houston could use him right now. You know? <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Houston could use me right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys ready to go around the association? Let's, Let's do, do it. it. All around the world. Bring it around town. Bring it around town. That wasn't Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, no, I decided to switch it up today on you. <laughs> No, hey, I cool. but I'm like going to throw us some uh, some nice little music kind of behind this while you talk, Taylor. Oh, yeah. Cool. So uh, just a fun fact I stumbled upon this week. You know, I like to go through, as I stumble upon these facts or these stats, I like to screenshot them rather than Thunder related or around the association. So the first one I came across was last time Ben Simmons hit a three-pointer per the ringer uh, in, in a competitive basketball game. So college NBA, a real game, not a pickup game. Um, Barack Obama was president. Okay, that's that's kind of crazy, but not too crazy. Vine was alive and was still popular. And I think the craziest, Hello by Adele was number one on Billboard. Top 100. That's crazy. That's a long, He hasn't that's hit a three-pointer in a real basketball ago. game since Man, then. Yeah. what a better life we used to have. Obama was president. Vine was still around. <laughs> Vine was alive. R.I.P. Vine. I don't care about Adele. Yeah, I don't, I, yeah. But, but still. I, I miss Vine. I, I I probably shouldn't get too political. I miss Vine. I'll keep my opinions <laughs> yep. of Obama and Donald yep. Trump to the side, I guess. Yeah, I think I was in high school. Yeah, that sounds Oh, God. Right. You're making me and Justin <laughs> feel old, man. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my God. Where Justin and I are like the old men of the podcast. <laughs> Justin, hey, when's your birthday? Here's, Huh? When's your birthday? Uh, 1990. No, like... I know that. Like, what day and month? Awkward. Uh, June 15th. Oh, Justin's got me by a month. He's the old Whoa. one. I'm July 23rd. You old men. I'm old. I got a kid. I got two kids. Holy two crap. Kids. Two kids? <laughs> it's kind of like two chains. 
<laughs> I have I'm two a, dogs. I'm, I'm January 4th, 1995, so I'm, I'm a baby. Dang it. What what year are you, Nick? I'm March of 95. God. He's younger than I am. You hearing this stuff, Justin? <laughs> we are in our prime. <laughs> Justin and I, to say? Justin huh? and I have <laughs> been there, and we're, we're well past, past it. past my prime. I'm old. Hey, uh, speaking of some, some players that are not quite in their prime yet, Jaron Jackson Jr. became the second youngest player, 19 years old in 76 days. God, he's he so young. at least 36 points in a game. The only other player younger than him to do that? LeBron James. Hey, that's a good vine, LeBron James. <laughs> Jaron Jackson yeah. Jr. has been very impressive, and he's Real freaking good. young. You guys realize that next draft, they'll be drafting kids that were born in the 2000s? That's crazy. That makes like me mad, that. to that's be honest. That's the worst news I've heard all day. Yeah. <laughs> that's so crazy. I'm on, like, the back end of my life. <laughs> all downhill. Sure it's all not. downhill. I got, like, 20 years left, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a it's definitely crazy. Uh, you know, seeing some of these rookies like Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, obviously Doncic, Trey Young. Um, there's a lot of solid rookies in this league. They've been they've been a lot of fun to watch yeah. this season. Jaron Jackson Jr.'s yeah, he's been impressive. Like offensively, defensively, like picking everything up. Like, he's just he's been good, man. Yeah, very impressive. So something that uh that we talked about in the last po- podcast was the Wild Wild Western Conference. Talked about it a little bit ago earlier when we were talking about the Thunder. You know, there's there's been some really hot teams that have been surprising, such as the Clippers and Portland and some teams like that. And there are some other teams that haven't been playing quite as well. But as we predicted, that's starting to change a little bit here. You know, we have teams like Portland. You know, they're eight and eight since November first. They've lost five of their last six. And you have teams like the Lakers, who started out kind of slow, but now they've won six of eight. They're three and zero in their division, which is you know pretty big come playoff time. Um, do you guys have any other teams? That I've caught your eye like that, or, or what are you guys' thoughts? You know, we talked about the Clippers, for example, falling out of that that top four, not getting home court come playoff time. Um, the Pelicans started teams? hot, and they've cooled off for sure. Yep. Um, the Mavs are playing well. The Mavs are playing insane. The Mavs man. are playing really well. Doncic is so good. Speaking of rookies, or as uh, as Michael Cage says, Doncic, not Doncic, Doncic, <laughs> Doncic. Dude, because it's game I'll, six, bro. I'll save my opinions <laughs> on that guy as well. Uh, we Sacramento has been really great. Is Utah good or bad? Whoa. Dude, that's so difficult. They Utah eleven and thirteen. Houston eleven and twelve. San Antonio eleven and twelve. New Orleans yeah. twelve and thirteen. Minnesota twelve and twelve. I mean, those are one, two, three, four, five playoff teams from last year who are yeah. five hundred or below yep. a quarter of the way into the season. And then you have Sacramento just kind of hiding there at like seventh, eighth, or whatever they are now. Yeah, you know, yep, it's crazy. And it's like I, the, I, it's not like they started off bad and they're like surging now. Utah four of six in their last ten. Houston five of five in their last ten. San Antonio four and six. New Orleans four and six. Minnesota is playing pretty good at seven and three after the Jimmy Butler trade. Yeah. Uh, Portland three of seven in their last ten. Utah, like when Golden State Utah, four of six in their last ten. That's crazy. And they have Boogie coming back soon, apparently, around Christmas time. But, uh, like, Utah's kind of the opposite of OKC in the sense that their schedule gets a lot easier. Or not, not a lot. I shouldn't say that. But it gets a little easier compared they put to a lot the of Thunder's games. getting harder. So I think they'll they'll be flirting with, like, anywhere from 5th to 8th in the West. But I don't think they'll get much, much higher than that, particularly with Donovan Mitchell, one, not staying healthy this season, and yep. two, just kind of 
you know, unable to take over like he did last season. Yeah, That's no, kind of how the that. Jazz were last year. All year they kind of were just kind of under the radar. No one talked about them. And they finally got fully healthy and finally started playing team basketball and defending. True. And they just went off in the second half of the season. Yep. Very true. So uh, somebody else like, got taken off. AT. I'm trying. There's not really, <laughs> not really good transition for this one. But oh today, some, some big news that uh, that dropped today was the Bulls fired Fred, Fred Hoiberg. Uh, they promoted Jim Boylan to head coach. Apparently, he's not even interim head coach. Like They just straight up. I didn't know that. Promote him to head, which seems crazy to me. But I, I was listening to the Ringer podcast earlier, Ringer NBA podcast earlier today. He checked, and that's what they said. And then I also, you know, the tweets that I read after that, I went back and double checked, and they said that they promoted him to head coach, not interim. So uh, that's very interesting. We'll see if that stays. But what are you? Why kinda, do you guys think kind of sucks that? for Hoidberg, dude? Like the, I know he yeah. hasn't been good, but at the same time, like look at what they've surrounded him with. Exactly. He That's hasn't what, yeah. had Laurie Markkinen all season. Like, Laurie Markkinen's played, just now started playing, like, played, like, one game ago. And the team's doing bad. Well, like, pardon me, but, like, no shit the team's doing bad. Like, the best player on your team is Zach Levine. You're, you've been giving Cameron Payne minutes. You yeah. Know? Um, your best center is your rookie. Like, you have no good wings. You, you yep. your front office decided to sign Jabari freaking Parker, who's, like, publicly said like defense never heard of her you know so like of course he's not going to do good because like the team sucks so i I don't think hoidberg's been good in chicago like since day one i think he struggled but like it just kind of sucks for the timing it's like they're going to kind of justify this bad start as his firing well like anyone would have a bad start with that squad because that squad's trash and that's the thing i don't think this team's going to get much better from here on out you know the the, i They'll get a little better simply because Markin is going to be coming back. But, uh, you know, I think they're looking to tank, get another high draft pick, and then kind of hit the ground running from there. I think with Hoiberg, it just came to style play. They weren't they weren't impressed with that. I also, I didn't get to read this article when I got home, but I had a notification from The Athletic. I think somebody, like, Shams retweeted it, but talked about how the writing was kind of on the wall. And I think there was some, like, practice in September or something that kind of was weird. I don't know. I'll have to do some more some more uh, homework into that but basically what i've heard is that hoiberg is is looking to get back into the college game and it's going to be a big candidate for a, a college team this summer so finally the I, last thing, before we oh, sorry, move on i have a crazy stat that i saw not even a stat just a nugget uh there's only one coach in the eastern central division that's not been fired this season Wow. With Hoiberg's fire. That's just crazy. Jason Kidd's gone. Van Gundy's gone. Ty Lue's gone. Hoiberg's gone. Nate McMillan, only one still there. That's wow. so crazy. Yeah, that's wow. impressive. So, last thing I have here is uh, I, there's a couple different articles that dropped today. Matt Moore of Action Network wrote an article over Giannis's case for MVP. You know, he's been playing incredible this first quarter of the season while kevin o'connor of the ringer wrote an article on Embiid in his case for mvp so just some stats here some just not nothing advanced but joel Embiid is averaging 27 points per game 13.4 rebounds and 3.5 assists the only players who have met that statistical threshold is kareem abdul jabbar bob Petit, wilt chamberlain elgin baylor and Shaq. per basketball reference you know that's those that's a pretty crazy stat line Meanwhile, we have Giannis. 
He is averaging 27.6 points per game, 13.2 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.5 steals, 1.3 blocks, all on 58% shooting. He's playing out of his mind. The Bucks are great. You know, they're, they're playing really well right now. So who do you guys have for MVP? Either of those two, or do you have somebody else, like a, a Steph or a LeBron or an AD? I'd probably go Giannis. He's been playing great, and I love that he legit said that he was going to, to punch Mario Hazoni in the nuts. <laughs> that was so funny. Full so. of Draymond. I'm going Giannis. I, I'm a huge Giannis fan, but I think just nobody expected the Bucks to be second in the East right now, and I think that's that's has a lot to do with his play this year. Yep. Nick? I think... Kawhi Leonard should be the MVP. Ooh, Dude, he's, it's a good one. He's been and good. he doesn't get talked about in that MVP race, and I don't know why. Is part of it because he's sat so many games? It could be, but at the same time, did you see that stat about highest winning percentage since they've entered the league? Yeah, is it Kawhi. Kawhi, Kawhi, Kawhi Leonard's it. won damn near 80% of the games since he's entered the league. Like, that dude's a winner. That's impressive. He is a winner. That's impressive. It definitely. Speaking of the Raptors, uh, Matt Moore had to give an honorable mention to Kyle Lowry. Some of his stats he's posting this year is just absurd. And they lost. I've tonight. always thought he was overrated, but this year he has. Interesting. He has impressed me a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Denver went to Toronto and won tonight. Hey, there's a there's a guy in the Thunder. I think that should be getting consideration. And no, it's not Russell Westbrook. Terrence Ferguson. George. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Jeremy Grant. I think uh, Paul George's name has to be in Defensive Player of the Year right now, right? For yeah. sure. Yeah, he, like he's got to be in like the top three, I would think. He was Averaging so good tonight. Twenty three point five points per game. I heard this stat game, the other seven, day, and seven, I don't want to say it without being rebounds. wrong. Um, but so let me look it up real quick. What's it regarding? Uh, defensive Player of the Year <laughs> and who's won it um, the past few years? Um, let's see, winners. Rudy Gobert, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard, Kawhi Leonard, Joe Kim Noah, Mark Gasol, Tyson Chandler, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard, Dwight Howard, Kevin Garnett, Marcus Camby, Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace. Uh, so since 0405, um, the only forwards to win the award were Kawhi Leonard twice and Draymond Green. Every other one has been a center. Huh. Wow. Kev- That's pretty uh, crazy. Yeah, Ben Wallace, Ben Wallace, and then 0304, our test got it. And then after that, you have from '97 to '03. It was um, it was centers. Centers. So guards like never won the award. The last guard to win the award was uh, uh the goat, MJ. MJ. '87, '88 was the last time a guard won Defensive Player of the Year. Well, if wow. Robertson can get healthy. Yeah, no shit, right? Maybe we could change yep. that. But yeah, um, so I think MVP. Paul George will probably be um, like top three. Uh, but it, it's typically that bigs have good defensive numbers, you know. Makes Big, sense. Bigs I guess. typically have good defensive numbers, and a lot of people look at those defensive numbers. But Paul George's been insane. Like he's such a good defender. He is. It's been fun to watch. Yep. Anything else for around the association, guys? No, that's all I got. That'll do, pig. All right, you guys ready to get out of here then? We've gone on for Yo. about an hour and 15 minutes. I think that's probably pretty good. Cool. All right. Well, hey, thank you for listening to our podcast. We really appreciate you guys. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at the un- un- at the underscore uncontested. It's always a tongue twister. 
We also have a website, theuncontestedsports.com. You can follow Nick at at two cranes on Twitter. Taylor is at Taylor underscore P15. Justin is at OKC Tracker. Or if you are a Sooners fan, he's also at Sooner Tracker. Hey, yo. I am at ThunderMob405. The sick boy, Kamiar, who's asleep right now, is at BoomTownRW. He tweets a lot of Thunder and Sooner football as well. Great win for the Thunders tonight against Detroit. Blew him out of the water. This team's looking up. Make sure that you guys check in later in the week. Wednesday and Friday, there are games, and we will have post-game podcasts for you, about 15 to 20 minutes. Perfect for that drive to work or school or home from work or school or lunch break. Uh, Just for you guys to to have a little bit of content the next day after a Thunder game to kind of get your fix. We would love if you check those out. While you're there, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to it at. Leave us a five-star rating. Leave us a review. We love to see those numbers continue to climb. It really means a lot that you guys have been listening to us and checking us out. Engage with us on Twitter. We live tweet every game. Uh, That's all I got. You guys take it easy. We will see you again Wednesday night. And as always, thunder up. Thunder up. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.